he did the worst thing anyone could do in a Batman comic. Tease that for a year that Catwoman and Batman are going to get married. And then at the last second, you don't marry him. And now you're making a book where you're going to resolve it. And I guess DC <laughs> will probably be like, guess what? You're not going to get them married again. Mm-hmm. Then what's the point of writing a book if you're not going to get them married? Yep. So as always, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the podcast. Kick back and relax. The force is strong and is with us always. And never forget. We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. of this moment the force is strong make 10 men feel like a hundred we'll take the next chance and the next you're all rebels aren't you I'm called the Jesse James. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Oh, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of The Bizzlecast, welcome back to the podcast for a semi-new uh, type of Bizzlecast. Uh, the Bizzlecast news update this is, of course, related to the Bizzlecast quickies that I do. Of course, a quickie for me is under a half hour uh, when it comes to podcasts, of course. Um, but uh, this is actually a, a giant news drop, and I have a guest on, so it's not a traditional quickie so i'm going to bring back co-contributor of the Bizzlecast, dc expert and my guy jason ritter jason um as i welcome you to the news podcast we have so much news i think we're gonna end up calling this the Bizzlecast daily planet uh but for this first one i think we should call it the Bizzlecast daily bugle because we got spider-man back in the mcu baby welcome back to the podcast thank you this this day has definitely been news overload Absolutely, man. We got to get right into it, but I, I'm a you know I, I'm a I'm a play guy, so got to ask, how's everything? How's uh how's Father Ritter? How's the whole family? Everyone's fine. Everyone's fine. And yeah. you know I had a you'll find out about what I did uh, last Saturday in an upcoming episode that we're going to probably record pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So let's just get right into it, man. We've got CW news. We've got. DC news. We've got Star Wars news. We've got Marvel's news. Marvel news. We of course got Haley Steinfeld news because it's the Bizzle cast. So of course we have Haley Steinfeld news. We even got Matt Smith, Doctor Who news. We got all sorts of stuff, man. And we talked about it a little bit ahead of time. Um, uh, and there was just a drop about Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, but I'm going to resist the temptation to jump on that because they just dropped the director, Deborah Chow, who's phenomenal, young uh, director, a young Asian American who's doing Mandalorian and the other great projects. She'll do great. Maybe we'll get to that later in the podcast. Everyone's thrilled about the Obi-Wan. But, dude, we have to talk about Spider-Man coming back to the MCU in full force in the team and solo and a prediction I should have made on record. But I was actually not sure this would happen. When they announced it, man, it, it, I was like, okay, I could have seen this scenario coming, but I, I honestly, unlike all my young female actress predictions, which have mostly become true, this one with Sony, because they're so irrational, like most of the film studios, and they seem to be a big ego thing, I wasn't sure it was going to happen. So really quick, Tom Holland, at least one more 
War solo movie, which most people have really liked. I haven't seen his solo movies, but I love Tom Holland in Civil War and the Avengers films so, so much. And his relationship with Tony Stark is one of the highlight of the entire MCU. They built a whole movie around it that people loved in Far From Home, which I am definitely renting this week for sure. And everyone loves Spider-Verse, which is not directly connected. But let's just put it this way, dude. Spider-Man is better than it's, it's ever been. And between Spider-Verse being awesome, the Spider-Man movies, and Tom Holland being great, and the relationship with Tony Stark, people were extremely mad. And this is almost like the James Gunn firing, right? Like, someone was going to have to go back on things. So, your reaction to this happening, how fast it happened, how it happened, did you think it was going to happen, and just general thoughts on Tom Holland coming back to the MCU for the near future as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. Well, I I did not think this was going to happen because... Um, the guy in charge of Sony is is the guy who helped produce X-Men Free and X-Men Origins Wolverine, which we should all know and forget. So, it is, I, and he kept saying, we, we don't need Feige because we have, we have other people that can actually make good Spider-Man movies, which I'm like, okay. And then they, they try to act like Spider-Man Free and the first two Amazing Spider-Mans were amazing films which we know that isn't true about at least makes spider-man 2 and spider-man 3 so and of course the internet bullied them they didn't put them back in the mcu so that's where we are at right now so i'm very happy now i think i heard a report that we might have they might be making two soul spider-man movies and one marvel movie so what I'm hearing from my source that I trust most um, is definitely one solo and definitely one team up. But yes, it seems like multiple solos and at least one team up. Yeah, so we can try to f- we can figure out what the team up is. Is it Avengers Five? Is it what me and many other people think it's going to be? Is they're going to have the Young Avengers, which is going to probably include uh, the Ant Man's daughter. Uh, uh, Haley Steinfeld, obviously. Hawkeye's daughter. We'll get back to Haley. Yeah. Let's well, think. It's, yeah. No, I'm just saying who might be in the Young Avengers if mm-hmm. they do it, though. Speaking so, of which, I know him and Zendaya have great chemistry, but if they were not to work out, there's another beautiful young lady entering the MCU who's played Gwen Stacy in the Spider Verse, who might have great chemistry with Tom Holland down the road. Just saying. Just saying. And of course, I mean, we also have uh, Miss Marvel coming, which her and Spider-Man have had a, like, a friendship in the comics, so that should be interesting. So, let's give a little historical con- context. And guys, um, just to, to break it down, uh, we have some CW Crisis Infinite Earth stuff to talk about, which you can go anywhere from one to ten minutes or more, depending on Jason's rant, which he semi-prepared me for, but I can't wait to hear. Um, we have some Batman comics stuff to talk about, some Haley updates, obviously, um, and, and some other things. Uh, but other than the Obi-Wan, the Spider-Man is definitely the, uh, the big thing, and I do want to talk about Tom Holland in Uncharted. Um, I mean, we knew it was happening, but confirming with Travis Wright, with Bumblebee, another Haley Steinfeld connection, um, I, I will say, man, that, you know, Spider-Man 1 and 2 are very, very historically similar to X-Men 1 and 2 and how important they were and done by the same director in the early 2000s, right? 
And right. regardless of how much you like or don't like the X-Men, like or don't love Spidey, spoiler alert, guys, if you don't know, I'm a giant X-Men guy and generally am not a Spider-Man guy, comics or elsewhere. It's just my, not my kind of character. I love Wolverine and the X-Men. But yes, X-Men 3 was more than a disaster. It was an abomination. X-Men Origins was unwatchable, but I still think X-Men 1, X2 hold up, just like I think Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man 2 overall hold up, especially when you um, keep in mind the context of the time. Now, I think X-Men 1 and 2 hold up better than Spider-Man 1 and 2 just because of the darker tone and, you know, the leather suits and stuff. It's still the aesthetic I just think works a little better today, you know, and also the fact that, you you know... We, we sort of made ourselves forget at the time that Tobey Maguire was like 35 playing Peter Parker, right? I mean, we just sort of ignored that fact. And But once we got Tom Holland, who's a genuine teenager, at least when he started all this, realized, you know, that's where we should going. But in both cases, Spider-Man 3 and X-Men 3 went way off the rails. And they both made a lot of money. The difference is, man, is X-Men 3 was not directed by... Um, uh, Brian Singer, uh, but by Brent Ratner, who's a horrible Hollywood director. I mean, he's done some okay movies, but he's a horrible he, human being and a terrible, terrible human being. Um, and yeah, I, I buried the lead there. Um, yes, he, he's horrible in all ways, most especially as a human being, and on top of that, as a bad director. As opposed to Zack Snyder, who's an excellent human being, um, and just not my favorite director. Big difference there. Um, He's okay. Yes. Brian Singer has also been embroiled in controversy. Um, and while I don't want to keep defending Singer, uh, either artistically or otherwise, you know, the jury still seems to be out uh, about his personal life. The point is, Sam Raimi with Spider-Man 1 and 2 and Brian Singer with X-Men 1 and 2 nailed it. And those four movies rebooted comic books along with Blade, right? And a couple others, as we know. And that can't be um, overestimated, don't you think? I, th- I think so because, well, when the, the 2002 was an important year for me, let's put it that way, because that was my introduction to comic book movies of Spider-Man, and that was my introduction to Star Wars with Episode 2. I mean, dude, 2002, 2003, you ready? This is just off the top of my head. I know this, okay? Two Towers and Return of the King, okay? Spider-Man 2, X-Men 2 in 2003, both Matrix sequels in 2003. I, like most people, did not like the sequels, especially at first. I like them a lot more now. I've been very public about that. I don't need to talk about it. You guys can check out my Matrix Reloaded commentary with my dad. Um, but it was still momentous. Um, and, and of course, Attack of the Clones, 2002. And then if you push it to 2005... Um, you know, that's when we start getting the X-Men 3, I guess that was 2006, and Spider-Man 3. Yeah, that was, that was 2006. 2005 was the year where we got the brilliance that is Batman Begins, obviously. Right, so... I just gave you all the 2002-2003, so 2005-2006, we've got Revenge of the Sith, which actually got decent reviews at the time and made decent money just because it was better than Attack of the Clones and better than people were expecting because they're... My, my favorite of the prequels. Yeah, I mean, I think any F- Star Wars fan would agree with that overall. Um, it still has major problems, but it did okay. Um, but I would argue, man, that the, uh, you know, the, 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 the Firefly brown coats thing leading to serenity which should have never been made with a budget like that that was so good as a firefly movie also in 2005 you watch serenity and revenge of the sith back to back and 
the connection here is is more money and more dollars, both in terms of what you spend and what you make, is not really determinate to the quality of the movie. And, and in fact, the X-Men 3 dude made almost as much as X-1 and X-2 together because it took a while for X-Men to get traction in the mainstream um, and comic book movies are just coming back as opposed to Spider-Man, which are, those three movies are still among the highest grossing ever. Did you know, man, that these money from Spider-Man went down in every single movie until Spider-Man Homecoming it is now going up? Yeah, that was I, I knew that. I knew that. That's why they made that deal, because let's be honest, the rumors after Mason Spider-Man 2 was crazy. They were even talking about making an Aunt May movie. And I'm like, why? What is Aunt May going to do in a movie about her about like, oh, like a old movie about Aunt May? It's. That would be, that would be bad. <laughs> well, yes. Okay. So let me give you just my quick little spidey tale, which is part of the reason I didn't make any big predictions about Spider-Man leaving. I was sad to see Tom Holland go. And by the way, dude, um, you know, I've done commentaries twice for Civil War and now for Infinity War and Endgame, in which I'm constantly praising Tom Holland as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. Um, and when I recorded my Endgame commentary, you know, a week or two ago, or whenever it was, when the the news of you know the split or whatever fresh in our minds, and everyone's so angry, even angrier than I thought people would be. I'm watching the movie, and you know, obviously the end with all the Avengers come back, and he has the hug moment with Tony finally before Tony dies, and oh, this is nice, you know, and and they, you know what I mean, and you realize. I'm watching the movie. In my commentary, I'm like, this is why people are mad. People aren't just mad because Homecoming was pretty good and Far From Home was considered really, really good. But people are mad because while Cap and Tony is the most complicated and main relationship in the first three phases, undeniably, the Tom Holland relationship as Peter Parker with Tony, he humanizes Tony, right? I mean, even more than Pepper Potts in some ways until he has his own daughter. Like, his connection to humanity and him becoming softer and more caring and kind is because of Peter Parker. And I said in the commentary, I'm like, this is why people are, are pissed. Do you, do you agree? Uh, and this is a compliment, but do you agree that in addition to Spidey's movies being mostly liked or loved by people, but just as important was his relationship with uh, Tony Stark and just as, you know, a great Avengers character in general? Yeah, I agree because I also think that his character also made him more selfless than selfish. Like he wasn't in the in the back in the in the first phase and stuff like that. He was more selfish. Now he's then he was selfless. So Yeah, I mean, look, the introduction of new Peter Parker in Civil War you know, Civil War is one of those movies that is in def, is is in my MCU top ten. Um, but it has lots of problems, but, but the great moments of Civil Wars are excellent. And the introduction of Peter Parker, we see him walk into the apartment with the beat up computer and there is Robert Downey Jr. being sexy and hitting on hot Marissa Tomei as Aunt May. I don't care what the purists say. That was great casting. They had great chemistry. And then of course the classic yeah, scene well, that, where he goes into Peter Parker's, hold on, the classic scene where he then goes into Peter Parker's room and knows he's Spider-Man, shows up the video, and pulls the costume out of the ceiling, he knows the whole thing, and he's recruiting him. It makes no sense that he'd recruit a teenager to come almost get killed in Germany, but what an amazing intro. Go ahead. Well, I think that also that scene works because of real life, because both the actors that played Tony Stark and Aunt May dated in some time in the past, so 
Uh, how can you blame them? They're both beautiful, b- brilliant uh, people who are wonderful actors. And um, what I was going to say, man, was I couldn't even get through Homecoming. Um, and I just did my Bumblebee commentary. And my critiques of home co- uh, of Bumblebee can be almost completely um, applied to Homecoming in that in both cases, they were, they were very self-consciously tapping into The Breakfast Club and John Hughes and 80s teen romance movies and so forth. Um, but in, in, in both cases, it was coming from a great place, but in both cases, there were lots of problems. Um, and, you know, the reason I, I can get through Bumblebee um, is just because, you know, visually it looks great. And Haley Seinfeld, who we're going to get back to, I couldn't get through all of Homecoming, even though love Tom Holland, love Zendaya. We'll maybe get back to her. We've already been playing up Zendaya. Get back to her, perhaps. Love his best buddy. He's hilarious and the perfect best buddy for Spidey. Michael Keaton is fantastic. Michael Keaton, yeah. And it was inspired to start the Homecoming movie with him. But then it, I felt like it lost steam after having the big bad guy in the intro. So everything was working in the movie. And I'm sure if I watch it now, I will like it more. Um, it was just a bad time for me. And I just haven't seen Far From Home because I haven't seen any comic book movies this year. And it's across the board, including X-Men, including, you know, Sam, all movies I want to watch. I just haven't had a chance to do it. And I will definitely do it before the end of the year. And I do the end, end of the year list. Um, so... Uh, guys, we also have to talk about Tom Holland briefly with Uncharted, uh, being directed by the director of Bumblebee with Haley Steinfeld, directed by Travis Knight. Um, and we're going to talk about Birds of Prey, man, whose movie version is being written by Christina Hudson, who wrote Bumblebee. I mean, it's all the same people, even though the products have been mixed, to say the least. Um, and it's going to make it confusing to talk about all this, but I want to keep stressing all of this young talent is centered around people like Haley Steinfeld and Tom Holland, man, who, let's be honest, in both cases, you could tell by the time they were 16 or 17 that they were going to be stars. And people love Tom Holland in the trailers for Civil War, and it's only gone up, up, up with him. So talk a little bit about your experience with Tom Holland and the new Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Well, I was excited because that... 2016 was a big year for me. Obviously, we had, you know, Batman, because, of course, and and we had Spider-Man, which was amazing. He, his intro in that suit, it was just amazing, so... Yeah, I have to say. Yeah, 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 and I think that's... It's great that you put in that context, because, yeah, the timing makes sense, because... Part of the reason I, I didn't love Civil War, at least initially, was that it came so close to BVS and was so thematically and plot-wise similar to BVS, which I really despised. I didn't despise Civil War. I love those actors. It was basically Avengers 2.5. I can't complain that much, but good guys punching good guys for reasons that make zero sense. It was the same in both cases. I just happened to like the Russo's filmmaking better than uh, Zack Snyder, and I tend to be a Marvel person, even though I do love Batman, and obviously Gal Gadot came out of that. One of my early predictions that came true was instantly seeing Gal Gadot as a star. I can't wait for Wonder Woman, but the tie-in, man, is that by the time Homecoming came out, I think I think I was just in a sort of daze slash malaise of comic book movies and just needed a break. Also, Doctor Strange, I didn't love, at least initially. Um, 
It wasn't really until Black Panther and Infinity War at the beginning of 2018 that I really got back on board uh, the MCU. So it's not really Homecoming's fault. It's definitely not Tom Holland's fault. Who, when he continued to stress, is excellent. And, you know, everyone gets better in the team-up movies. Um, what did you think about Homecoming? Um, do you prefer his solo stuff? Do you prefer him in the team-ups? Do you like both? Uh, well, Homecoming, I, I thought was a lot... I liked him a lot better in Homecoming than in Civil War because... To be honest, we didn't get him a whole lot in Civil War, and that wasn't the point. The point was the show to see the intro of Spider-Man Civil War. So, Homecoming, we got a bit more of him, his world, what makes him tick, you know. Which, that movie, I really liked that movie. Especially with Keaton as the bad guy. He, he was great, you know. And I just kept thinking in the movie... We have Batman. We have Batman fighting Spider Man because you know he was a Batman. So my head. So mm-hmm. and the best the best scene for me was the uh, there's a scene where him, um, the girl who plays Liz Allen and Michael Keaton are, are in a car, and it is the best. It is possibly his best acting I have se- I've seen from him recently. I haven't seen a lot of his movies though, so that's not saying much. So, I mean, no shade on my boy Sylvester Stallone, aka Rocky Balboa, or some other older actors who have made comebacks of various sort, but Michael Keaton is a legit A level actor when he gets the material. And the fact that his comeback began with Birdman, which was specifically parodying both him and Batman and comic book culture movie culture and theater culture and while he didn't win the award shockingly i mean the the, the worst non-win ever was him not getting winning for birdman the movie won as it should have by inaritu who's now won multiple academy awards for directing at best picture with the amazing birdman it's so funny and then he plays the vulture right he was another bird character like he but he has such huge balls to do that that takes guts that takes big guts I'm wondering how long will it get for him to play Hawkman in a DC movie? Yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, considering they cast every DC character like 90,000 times, just mathematically, it seems likely to happen. Um, before we get to DC, though, man, a couple more Tom Holland and, and Spider-Man things, which is my thing about Civil War is, yes, it's always great when you have a great new character to see them fully in the, their own full movie, obviously. And I look forward to going back and finishing Homecoming and, and definitely for watching, you know, watching Far From Home. Um, but my point was the two characters they needed to both introduce and make us love immediately in Civil War were Spider-Man and T'Challa. And they nailed both of them. They were both huge standouts. And while T'Challa had a bigger role in Civil War for obvious reasons, because he's the fucking Black Panther and Wakanda and Black Panther were going to be so, you know, key, um, you know, they, they both were, you know, their batting average for time on screen, both the Panther and, um, and Spidey, you know, were so, so good in Civil War. Just like Joss Whedon with Elizabeth Olsen. I mean, the Scarlet Witch could have gone either way. I thought she was amazing instantly in Ultron, but it wasn't like every Everyone in fandom loved her immediately, but they kept building her and building her and building her, and now she's going to be their first 
one that has a major film and TV franchise for Marvel. Literally, she's the first. Elizabeth Olsen, everybody. <laughs> the younger sister of Mary-Kate and Ashley. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen is, at the moment, the biggest crossover star in Marvel between film and television. Joss Whedon snuck her right in there with Ultron in an amazing role. The Russos did the same with Spidey and uh, T'Challa as Black Panther, was, I guess, my point. Um, but, yeah, people love Tom Holland across the board. And uh, I will say, dude, and, th- and then we'll move on. Um, the one thing that made me think, uh, let's put it this way. One of the reasons I, I think uh, Sony felt extra protective over Spider-Man, in addition to them being irrational and making bad choices as a film studio, is what is the one area of Sony, the company, that is extremely successful and consistently A-plus in terms of product is uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment, also knows, known as the PlayStation. And uh, not surprisingly, the Spider-Man PlayStation exclusive that came out was last year, a year and a half ago, uh, is second only to... You want to guess? Uncharted. So if Uncharted, now starring Tom Holland, is the number one selling game on the PlayStation 4, the number two best selling game is the Spider-Man game. You know, so you have Sony Studio with the video game, you know, 13 to 20 million units somewhere in there. That's a lot of cheese fries, as Simi would say. And also, dude, the Spider-Verse, and then, of course, Venom. So Sony tried to pull a fast one on Marvel after Marvel made, you know, great portrayals of Spider-Man, better than... Let's put, let's put it this way. I'm not going to make this judgment, but my friends who love Spider-Man and do like the old movies still much prefer the Tom Holland performances, both in the team movies and the solo movies, to what had come before. He's their favorite Spider-Man. My friends who are Spidey guys, Sony got a little greedy between that and then Venom and the Spider-Man game and the Spider-Verse, and they're like, okay, now's a good time to steal him back. And then the outcry of all the fandom made them realize that we love him in the MCU, even if it's mostly solo movies. I'll throw it to you, man. Even if it's just one more team up with Spidey, but we get two or three solos, just the fact that he's involved with the team and might show up in Doctor Strange, he might show up, as you pointed out, Ms. Marvel, maybe on TV, be another crossover character like Elizabeth Olsen, for example, or as we're going to see with Haley Steinfeld, with Hawkeye being in the movies and television. Um, So to to finish with Spidey and Tom Holland, because everyone's happy, you and I may have not thought this was going to happen, but do you agree with me that, um, at least in in retrospect, it makes sense how upset everyone was and why everyone wanted him back so badly? Yeah. Well, the only reason I didn't think it was going to happen because they are producing like ten or fifteen Spider-Man prop, like TV shows. Sony is, and some of them might, some of them are in the Spider Verse, some of them aren't. And then Tom Holland was saying he might appear in some of these shows. So I, I'm like, oh, I guess th- they really aren't coming back now. Now they're they're going to have these Spider Verse shows where he's going to pop in and out and then have some movies and stuff. And that's how he's going to fulfill his contract and stuff. So. So this kind of went went out of left field for me. So that's what that's why I was surprised. Can I give you another theory about this? What, what's the theory? Okay, so you know the subtitle to Doctor Strange too. The Multiverse of Madness. Multiverse of Madness, right? So the Spider Verse is the Spider Man Multiverse. They just call it the Spider Verse, but. It was the first, even though the X-Men is constantly talking about this in the comics as our DC band, which we're going to talk about in the crossover in the next section, um, but X-Men, DC in particular, they're constantly talking about multiverses, different Earths, different timelines, and so forth. Um, 
you know, as you know, my biggest endgame prediction that I nailed was both the time travel and sort of the mechanics of the time travel. Um, but I actually thought they were going to go further with the multiverse thing in uh, endgame. But instead, it was just Cap taking the stones back or whatever. But I think we're going to see in Doctor Strange and the Wanda stuff that things aren't as neat as maybe we thought. And I think Sony looked at the Multiverse of Madness announcement and what they could do with the Scarlet Witch and Doctor Strange. And they looked at their successful Spider-Verse and having to work the X-Men back in, which might involve multiverses to make everything make sense, and got a little bit like, uh, this was our idea to do the multiverse. Like, you know, um, Marvel's like, uh, you know, uh, you know, stealing our idea, which is obviously not what's going on. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, in a perfect world, everyone would be doing the multiverse and all these characters would work together. Um, but, you know, they're going to have to... My final thought on this, I'll give you a final thought on Spidey is... Regardless of how many Spider-Man movies are going to be in the MCU, there's still going to be tension between Kevin Feige and MCU and the people at Sony from now until the next time they have to decide this. And people just have to get used to that. Yeah, this is going to have. This is going to be a. I think this is going to be a regular thing for now. So, this is going to happen probably like two or three years. So we better just buckle up and just wait for this to happen again. Yep. So uh, just really quick, because uh, this was a great transition into some DC stuff, um, which is just, uh, you know, we teased before, Jason and I talked off mic, and we, we mentioned, you know, Tom Holland's been attached to the doing sort of a prequel to the Uncharted series of video games, which are the best-selling series of video games um, on the PlayStation, other than The Last of Us, which is also by Naughty Dog, the same company that makes Uncharted. Um, they make all the best PlayStation games. They're mostly Uncharted games. Um, as I've said, Jason, uh, the only reason I got a PlayStation 3 and have continued to PlayStation 4, other than, you know, a couple games like Horizon and God of War, are specifically the Uncharted games and related games like The Last of Us. And so, uh, unlike, let's put it this way, unlike games I really like or love, like Assassin's Creed, Warcraft, and so forth, which I immediately thought would be very tough to implement as movies, the Uncharted franchise, because it's like Indiana Jones and Tomb Raider, but much funnier and less serious, but also much cooler with the young guy like Tom Holland, even though he looks nothing like Nathan Drake, who's modeled on the chiseled and much older Nathan Fillion on purpose. And we all know that. Um, but his charisma will definitely carry over. This is the comic book property that's really going to work because Uncharted, while it is, they are great games, they're at least half great because of the story. They really come up with the story and the characters and then build the game around that, um, if that makes sense. And so even more than Tomb Raider, I, I think it's movie ready. And again, Travis Knight, who directed Bumblebee, a movie that I really wanted to love, ended up just liking. You guys can check out the commentary for the things I loved and didn't like about it. Um, but Travis Knight did a pretty good job. Um, and uh, he's definitely an up-and-coming director. Uh, and so that being solidified, I guess the big news is not Travis it's not in particular, man, but just that this confirms that Uncharted seems to be a go, unless this turns into be The Flash and we get 9,000 directors. God help us. Uh, don't, don't get me started on The Flash, but yeah, this sounds good. Now, I know they had, I know we had the, uh, the fan film where Nathan Fillion was, uh, was Nathan Drake and Stephen Lang was Sully, so this should, we'll see what they, what what Hollywood's going to do with uh, with Uncharted? The question is: Is Sully is Sully in this one going to be a a little bit younger or older now? You think? So in the beginning of Uncharted three, um, 
So all, all the Uncharted games, for the most part, have sort of a set piece that happened at a different time period that serves as a tutorial, but is very different from the rest of the game. Now, I played Uncharted 3 first, so it was a weird experience, but it's brilliant, which is... That was the first time we saw young, like young, like younger than Tom Holland, or maybe Tom Holland's age with the first Spidey movie, uh, uh, Nathan Drake. And he was in, I think, Buenos Aires, Argentina, um, somewhere in South America, at a museum where he was researching Sir Francis Drake because it is believed, or he believed, that there was a relation in his interest in archaeology and history and blah, 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 connection to Francis Drake. And that's where he meets Sully, and Sully actually saves him from people who he knows nothing about, who are way powerful, who are looking for the same things as, as him, young Nathan Drake, and, and Sully saves him. Sully, let's just put it this way, Sully is not a young man even then. Like, he's probably in his 40s or, uh, you know, mid to late 40s or more with young Nathan Drake. Um, he just stays in very good shape. So they could go a lot of different ways with Sully's age between, you know, 40 and 65. I mean, you know, Michael Caine's like 78 or something. He looks spectacular. Like, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. It should be. It should be interesting. So you have. have, We'll know more. So you have Joss Whedon, who discovered Nathan Fillion, essentially, or at least made him put him on the bat with Firefly, who would then go on to direct the Avengers and be the person to launch the MCU to the next level, then leave, and then Tom Holland, who's now playing Nathan Drake, who's based on Nathan Fillion, who's made famous by Joss Whedon, going back and forth between Sony and Marvel, and now we've got Nathan Fillion going with James Gunn to DC to do Suicide Squad. I mean, it's just crazy, man. It's absolute craziness. It's absolute craziness. I have a new prediction about Nathan Fillion and the Suicide Squad. I think... I think... Maybe he's not playing Captain Cole, but maybe I think he's playing the villain Firefly, which would make perfect sense. That would be funny. That would be funny. It might be too on the nose, but if they nail the character, yeah, no one will care. It feels like a, it's like a wink and a nod. It's like Nathan Fillion playing Firefly. Oh, James Gunn. You know how they pull <laughs> it off is don't say the name. Um, in fact, um, I do not believe I could be wrong, dude. I could be wrong. She's been referred to as the witch once or twice. I do not believe Elizabeth Olsen has been referred to as the Scarlet Witch in like five movies. I could well, be wrong. Yeah, well, well, if they do, look, like, I don't think he's going to be. Or Black Widow. Black I, Widow's I never been called think, Black Widow. I used to think that Nathan Fillion was going to be like a major character, but now I remembered he has a show on ABC where he's like a really old rookie cop in a police force. So I don't think he's going to be in the movie that long i don't think so i disagree i disagree because he is he's so do you ever see con man yeah yeah but i'm saying like right now he has like a show which you know those network shows go for like 22 or 23 episodes no I, i understand well just follow my train of thought so con man is a spoof by Alan Tudyk involving Nathan Fillion, and when a- Alan Tudyk spoofs himself as being way more pathetic as he actually is in real life, sort of Kirby enthusiasm style, and also portrays Nathan Fillion as way more egotistical as- than he is in real life, but also a much bigger film star. And I remember watching Con Man and being like, Nathan Fillion should be a bigger film star. Like, 
people know him they love him the ladies love him the men love him you know firefly is the ultimate show ever but people have seen him on castle and a million other things my point is man with james gunn taking over suicide squad which needs major major casting upgrades which is why rooker and so forth are coming i i i, I mean i think a bad guy role for, it, you know the way i talked about captain hammer last time from the dr horrible that sort of egotistical uh, you know poking like almost deadpool-esque bad guy situation would be amazing especially because jim gunn and joss whedon have a lot of similarities in their sense of humor especially when it comes to bad guys yeah. um or, or anti-heroes yeah just to see i, I still want, just want to see him as captain cole because him wearing like a blue parka shooting a laser and, and wearing like some weird sunglasses or like a visor just to protect his eyes from the sub-zero blast that comes from the gun and it depends on what they're going to do with how old they're going to make him because the more he uses this gun it turns his hair white so it should be interesting if they make him captain cold how they're going to do it so okay so we're going to transition to cw I have a list, but I'm going to let you start wherever you want. Do you mind if I do the transition, though? And then you can start wherever you want, which is... Sure. The other um, reason... Yeah. We'll, we'll probably do the... Uh, we'll do the Batman comic thing first, I think. Okay. Well, this is related even as much or more to the Batverse, which is okay. the other reason I think Nathan Fillion will be featured. And I hope I am wrong about this, Jason. I hope I am wrong. But in the last couple months, the giant nosedive with Margot Robbie at the lead of it with the Birds of Prey and Batgirl situation in which it looks like she is going on a major ego trip of sorts, unless I'm missing something with Margot Robbie. Basically, what I'm saying is she's going to lose goodwill that she built up as Harley Quinn. If DC becomes her version of the Harley Quinn verse, people are going to get so sick of her and... Even with Harley Quinn, dude, in Suicide Squad 2, if you want to step up the game, you have to bring in experienced, awesome actors. Yes, like Michael Rooker and so forth, but definitely people like Nathan Fillion. And so, especially if they're like, oh my god, we're a little worried about Harley going, Harley slash Margot Robbie going off the deep end, let's bring in some veterans. And if nothing else, you know, Harley and an anti-hero Captain Hammer or negative version of Malcolm Reynolds, you know, character would play off each other great. So, so whether Margot's going off the deep end or not, we'll have to say for the moment. I, I'm not happy with that situation on many levels, as you know, but I, it wouldn't hurt to have more great talent. And to just have Nathan Fillion for five minutes in the movie w- would be uh, would be a giant tease t- to fans, I think, and a shame because I-, I think his sense of humor with James Gunn merged with Suicide Squad would be great yeah and, and, and you know and this one it'd be different from his role in super where he played the holy avenger in james gunn's film to playing a villain in james gunn's film so would you yeah i, I think if he plays the villain though it would have to be like captain hammer who like you think is a good guy yeah. Uh, I know I haven't seen Far From Home, but I do know the Jake Gyllenhaal character. Um, you know, the guy that you're setting up to kind of like, even though you think he might be a bad guy. You know what I mean? Um, uh, well, this is a group of bad guys, so. Right. Right, which means he could be, yeah, he could be a good guy that goes bad guys that goes good or, or, or the other way around. Um, and so my transition, and you can go any which way with this with DC, is that, 
you know, in contrast, a part of the thing, the MCU and Spider-Man, though, dude, is this whole canon thing, you know, is that Kevin Feige and the MCU has adopted the notion of canon when it comes to the Avengers MCU universe. And so, you know, like having different Spider-Mans is a problem for Marvel, just like it is it potentially for Sony. And now they've shown the Spider-Verse and their cartoons and stuff. They don't really care. And that's fine. DC has openly embraced, as we've talked about on our shows, and I've talked about ad nauseum over the years, for better or worse, DC has embraced multiple, many castings on many formats and many different shows of many characters, including Superman and Batman, among others. Um, and and I, it's a, both a strength and a weakness. So I'm very interested to see where you go with this, uh, with a few p- pieces of DC news uh, this week, um, because, you know, we, there's some major characters uh, going on here. So let's jump into DC. Where do you want to start? I'm going to start with what the, the East, the quickest topic, the comics. So um, they just announced, was it like last week, that DC next year is going to make great a comic with a black Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not going to be Bruce Wayne. It's going to be a different character that's going to be Batman. That's okay. So, we got Miles Morales. I mean, you know, yeah. there's precedent for this. That's why um, I find it interesting because that's what I think they want to try to do. They want to try to do the mm-hmm. into the Batverse, possibly. Oh, and by the way, guys, for the record... Apparently, this didn't come off bad because no one's criticized me about it. I've mostly gotten good feedback about my Heli Steinfeld Batgirl rant. Uh, but for the record, the reason I point out that the actress is Asian and young is specifically just that she's foreign and has no experience, domestic or otherwise, that we're aware of. It's not that she's Asian. And as I told you, men, you know, if Zendaya or whoever ends up being Batgirl with Jeffrey Wright as seemingly the commish, I would be totally fine with that because she's a great actress with a resume. That, my main complaint was the lack of the resume and the lack of age, especially when you look at the, the actresses who are playing Huntress and, and Canary in the movie are like 32 years old. It's, an, it's totally ridiculous. I'm sorry. I don't even go there again. I just want to make that clarification yeah, for yeah. people because I point out yeah. numerous times listening back that she's Asian. I love Asian actresses. You guys know this from Chloe Bennett to Jessica Henwick. I mean, they're at the top of my list. I want more Asian actresses. I'm so pumped uh, you know, to get more Asian characters uh, in, in the Doctor Strange verse and elsewhere. Um, but it just, you know, it was the lack of experience in, in the casting in it. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, in terms of your Batman point, if we great, get a great young black actor, like someone who's like Donald Glover, but 10 years younger, I mean, I think you'd be pretty thrilled with that. Yeah, if they, I mean, if they do that, because first they got to make the, great the comics and stuff and see how it goes. If it goes well, we might end up getting him in a movie eventually. We just got to see how it goes with the fan reaction to this, to what they're going to do with this black Batman character in the comics first. So, and this is actually an interesting sidebar, which is, you know, it wasn't criticized at the time as much as it would be now, but you watch the Lord of the Rings and there are no black people and there are no black people in the book, really, as far as we can tell. And the people from the South are darker skinned who are like the evil men and so forth. I mean, Tolkien was working in historical stuff. Um, now, if you're making The Lord of the Rings, you just cast black people and other people of color all over the place, and people just forget about it. Who cares? You know? That's the world we live in now. You know? But at the time, it was like, oh, we have to be so loyal to Tolkien. Um, and, you know, Game of Thrones tried to do this a little bit. 
Um, but there's no doubt, man, that Batman and Superman are like Captain America. They might not have blonde hair, but those three are, you know, generally like the great white hopes of American history in comics. Um, and so I guess it's always weird. No one cares that Sam Wilson's going to be Captain America, as far as I can tell, unless they just don't like the actor. The difference between well, you got to make difference. You got to make it because Bruce Wayne, unfortunately, cannot be played by a black person because his character comes from old money you know like it's like one of the like a settler that came here back real real back in the day so even so that the telltale batman games made a story where they found out thomas wayne was up to some shady shit so then he had to basically you know try to undo what what problems his dad and his relatives did in the past and try to amend for their for their mistakes and stuff so it is that's what I find. That's why you got to make him what, like he is, I guess. I mean, so. I don't want to go into a huge historical argument, and this isn't really about race. I, I get where you're coming from. I, There's definitely, not, there just, are definitely black people now. that are old money and have had money. Um, well, that's but that's what I've been. That's what they. That's what they they say though. But I, I mean, don't that's know the character of that's, Creed, right? I mean, that's what makes yeah, Creed yeah, I, the I, Creed family I, so yeah. interesting. Is that they're a modern rich family who earn their money honestly, but have aristocratic sensibilities. And Adonis Creed struggles with that in the two Creed movies. It's part of what makes those movies great. I mean, uh, but come on, yeah, young, you, young Michael B. Jordan as Batman that would be amazing. Come on, yeah. I mean, if they get this to work, I mean, you could get Michael B. Jordan to play in their Batman. It could be like you could have, you know. You could have both Batmans. You could have him team up with Robert Pattinson and like fight some crime. And, and stuff. that's the bigger issue, though. The bigger issue for me is that you've just made an amazing casting choice with Robert Pattinson, and you're already talking about casting other Batmans. DC does this constantly. No, it's not a cast. It's a book. It's a book. Okay, but so. no, a different version of it, you know? Just like when you told me today that they're bringing a Birds of Prey character who's like a Birds of Prey character who's announced, but we haven't seen the movie, and then the character in the TV show is a different character, even though she's black, but black... Uh, wait, she's black in uh, both cases, right? The the Huntress? No. Okay. No. No. No, this is... The, that, that, that is... We'll get to that. Okay. But first... Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter to me what they are. I'm just saying, you know, it, it, I'm just comparing Marvel's approach of single casting of characters, not counting cartoons, across the MCU versus DC, both in comics and on screen and in the big screen, recasting characters over and over and over again. But your yeah. point is that what they're doing in the comics with Batman, race or not, has much bigger repercussions than maybe people realize. Yeah, I think it has stuff. I think it's Spider-Verse stuff. That's what I think it is. Mm-hmm. Because I heard it was a few years ago they were doing, well, now no, it's last year, when, after Spider Verse came out, they're like, oh, DC wants to make an animated Batman Beyond movie. And they're like, great. And then, and then you find out it's all lies. And then hmm. there was like rumors that they wanted someone Asian to play this young Batman and stuff. And then mm-hmm. that ended up to be, you know, lies and rumors. I mean, that would have been awesome. Right. I would have I would I would have watched the hell out of it, but Right, that's... but can can I make a Spider Man comparison? Yeah. I know enough about the comics, which is you know, Miles Morales has been around not forever, but not only two years. But let's be honest, we had Peter Parker grow up. I mean Peter Parker has been an adult in the comics for like decades now. 
including Civil War and beyond. And then we got, you know, the the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield versions, which were essentially adults, even though they were playing teenagers. They're in their 30s, guys. Let's be honest. They, they were grown-ups. So we finally get the teen Peter Parker. But the reason Miles Morales has started working more and more in the comics, man, I think for my friends who are Spidey people, is specifically because Peter Parker, as we see the, you know, the fat, chubby one in the Spider-Verse, you know, Peter Parker, many portrayals, has been a grown-up of various types for a while. And so you could have a new, young spider-man and so if you had old white classic batman but then the new young upstart you know who was let's say a nightwing or a rub and then promoted to batman or something like that that would make sense to me um just yeah. to recast yeah. it though i will agree with you race issues are not i you know we're both very pro-diversity obviously just listen to our podcast but i agree with you recasting it just to recast it is even and especially in the comics doesn't make sense to me on the surface but you know way more than me on this i mean if they did like if they made because they have a, they do have an African American bat family member. They have uh, Lucius Fox's son. Luke Fox is a Batman character called mm-hmm. Batwing. Now, if they if they wanted to make him Batman, I would that would be pretty cool. Because you know you have the Lucius Fox connection, and then you know his son is now a Batman. So that would be pretty cool. Is my opinion, but. Yeah. Yeah, and that's another well, I'm not gonna call it a waste opportunity, they still do it, which is you know, in the Telltale games, Lucius Fox's daughter is a major character who, you know, figures out who Batman is, right? I mean because she's like a science nerd and they end up kind of needing her. I think it's the Telltale games. Yeah, yeah. That's the second one, I think it is. I'm just saying, they've already set up diversity casting all over the place. You know what I mean? And so, I I understand where you're coming from. And, you know, look, let's be honest. I mean, Supergirl is openly political about pro-gay rights and and progressive politics. And God bless them, you know, because those are my politics, too. They're not even trying to hide it. But the CW in general has been very progressive on politics across the board, even while not necessarily progressive in artistic filmmaking across the board, but politics-wise, and we're going to see again with Ruby Rose and Batwoman that this is indeed the case. So DC it actually has been ahead of Marvel on these issues. I just want to point out. That show also has uh, Lucius Fox's son, Luke Fox, as the tech guy. Batwoman has that character also. So we'll see how people react to Luke Fox, because I've been seeing on the internet, it's 50-50 on people's reaction to Luke Fox in the trailer and stuff. So hopefully they'll win him over. Absolutely. Um, So if you're okay moving to CW as sort of the final section. Well, I I just have one more thing and then we'll move on. So we have a new team writing the, the Batman books. You know, this is you know, they have the guy who wrote Detective Comics, James Tynan the Fourth, is writing Batman. Also wrote one of my other favorite comics that people could could look at if you want to or not. It's called A Lonely Place of Living. It is a Tim Drake story and it is amazing. But I want to bring this up because finally Tom King is off it, which I am so happy because he did the worst thing anyone could do in a Batman comic. Tease that for a year that Catwoman and Batman are going to get married and then at the last second you don't marry them. And now you're making a book 
where are you going to resolve it? And I guess DC <laughs> will probably be like, guess what? You're not going to get them married again. Mm-hmm. Then what's the point of writing a book if you're not going to get them married? Yep. Yep. Ran it done. Yep. And that's why you have Mary Jane with Spider-Man for decades, specifically to avoid that issue. Is it less interesting? Probably. But it, it, it yeah, that's, that's so funny and interesting. I mean, it's not funny as someone who loves the comics, but... It's uh, it's ironic or something. It's yeah, that's weird. It's weird. Even I, I read the it, the supposed marriage or pre marriage issue or whatever. That I heard about it. It's like Captain America going to Hydra. You knew it was never gonna stick, right? And then they turn into a gag in the movie. But they do build up it, your hopes. The worst part is they had a book called The War Jokes of Riddles. Now you would think, and they had Batman, Catwoman, the first issue. Now you would think they would be in the whole issue, mm-hmm. whole whole series right right they're in like the first issue and the last issue nowhere in between and then they have a whole issue devoted to a zealous batman character called kite man why would you devote the issue to kite man okay <sighs> i'm done <laughs> there's no good reason there's only bad the only there's only bad bad explanations yes uh as, if anyone can tell, I'm not a, mm-hmm. I am not a fan of Rebirth Batman. <laughs> yes, I mean, you know, Rebirth and New Fifty Two have both split people. Um, I like New Fifty Two Batman, like Scott Snyder's Batman Lauren. I love Con- Tom King's. I liked at first. Now I hate. <laughs> One thing it's split so. between the character, like for example, when I started getting into Batgirl. I initially really liked Batgirl New 52, specifically because it was her coming back from the killing joke and dealing with, you know, PTSD issues and then actually dealing with the Joker um, in volume three, I think, of Batgirl New 52. But then I read Batwoman New 52 and in general, and I'm like, Batgirl's kind of coming a little too close to Batwoman in aesthetic and otherwise. And while Batgirl of Burnside, New Birds of Prey, is a little too colorful for me, my favorite Babs is still Year One, which is closer to Batgirl of Burnside than it is to New 52. Um, and so even if they do a Babs darker TV show, they really have to toe the line because she's been through hell, but she's also a fun character. She can't be as dark and disturbed as Jessica Jones, but she has some of those characteristics. I guess what I'm saying, man, when I said it was split in 52 in Rebirth, I don't mean just as Batman. I mean all the major characters in general. I happen to think Wonder Woman, at least the first couple of years, Wonder Woman Rebirth was great. Um, uh, I don't know where it's at now, for example. Detective or as I don't Comics. read much New 52 Wonder Woman. Yeah, Detective Comics Rebirth was really good. But then they got... I forget the team they had on it. It stunk. And then they brought they brought someone else on recently. And it's got... It, they brought back the how it was when it first started, which is good. And now... I'm, I'm, I'm kind of reading. Now they're... There is rumors that they're trying to bring Arkham Knight into the uh, canon of Detective Comics. So that should be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do want to point out really quickly, we talked about the golden boys of, of cat bats and soups. But you compare Wonder Woman, you know, who's way, sold way more comic books than Captain America or Spider-Man and so forth. And, you know, 
Now we've got an Israeli playing a Greek version of Diana, because they're both Mediterranean, it works. But, you know, Diana was not always Greek, as you know. Um, so, you know, th- th- I don't know. It's all about how you introduce new versions of characters and morph them and work them into the universe, right? And so in some ways, the jury's always out whenever we get a new version of major characters. Miles Morales has worked out great, but it could have not worked, you know, um, for example. Um, and, you know, and people are going to have to get used to the fact that, like, the next Wolverine is not going to be anything like Hugh Jackman. It's actually going to be more like the actual Wolverine, who's, like, five feet tall and even more murderous or whatever, uh, you know what I mean? But Hugh Jackman worked because Hugh Jackman's a brilliant actor, even though he, he's not reminiscent in some ways of, of the Wolverine. So, you know, it, it's always yeah. interesting. Yeah. And, and, you know, and these, you know, and if the people don't like certain books, I mean, you know, or, or movies, they got to realize this is kind of like, you know, it's it, these comic book movies and, or, or Star Wars or whatever. It's kind of like a campfire story. If you don't like it, there's going to be someone else that's going to tell a different story with these characters. And, you know, we're going to get a new campfire story to read. All right, dude. So, you know, we wanted to keep this not t- two and a half hours. We knew it was going to be longer than 30 minutes. We had a lot to cover, but we're going to save the deep dive stuff for a few days from now. Um, but what we were saying before we took a quick break there was just the fact that you it took five minutes for you to explain to me that this Birds of Prey casting is different from this other Birds of Prey casting with other actresses I haven't heard of playing different versions and different properties at the same time, you know, is just... It, let's put it this way. It may be cool in principle that DC's been doing the multiverse through all their properties all this time, but it's very confusing even to people like me who like the DC universe and want to get more into it. And on top of that, man, oh, I teased my Heli Steinfeld news. The only Heli Steinfeld thing I have, man, is that, you know, I've been saying the reason these negotiations are taking so long is because it's going to involve a ton of movies and a ton of money over a ton of time because she's so young and so famous already, they want to lock her up. And so that makes sense. But the other reason is, um, and this is related to how well she promotes her career, like she liked doing Bumblebee a lot, but she loved Spider-Verse. She constantly was tweeting and talking about how she loves being a part of Spider-Verse. And so she's very proud of the Dickinson show. That's literally the show that's launching Apple TV+. Plus. And she doesn't want to distract from that, which is very mature and responsible for, for a, a young woman of her age. And so once Dickinson launches and everybody loves it and the critics give it tons of awards, which I'm sure it's going to get because it's Haley Steinfeld, then they'll do the Marvel announcement closer to Disney Plus and or uh, Christmas release and so forth. But the connection here is, man, you know, I went on about... I've been going on about Haley Steinfeld not being Batgirl. My big problem is not doing Barbara Gordon. And so my bigger problem here isn't the multiple castings in all these shows, but that they're picking, you know, less relevant or just less well-known versions of characters that haven't been in the properties that are already cool and popular. And you could cast great young actresses. Um, they don't have to be Haley Steinfeld level, you know what I mean? But who are A-level actresses in terms of talent, but who've been around a little bit longer and playing Barbara Gordon, who a lot of people from different generations are familiar with, as opposed to Cassandra Kane. no offense, Cassie Kane. outside of DC nerds, no one knows who she is. I've asked a ton of people about this. Nobody knows who Cassandra Kane is. And so from a DC nerd's perspective, I could see appreciating all of this, 
But like the fact that it took him so long to cast someone like Ruby Rose as a character like Batwoman, that is a natural fit. And she is by far their most famous casting in terms of time of casting. I mean, none of the CW leads were nearly as famous or awarded as Ruby Rose is coming into as a new CW character. So that's where I'm at with that is DC just cast more well-known people because you're already behind the eight ball a little bit with, with Marvel would be my thought. And you can jump in any place here. That was my rant. Go ahead. So I'm going to try to break down this crisis because it's a lot. It is a lot. So we're going to be getting like a lot of TV shows that, that happened in the past in this crossover. So we got, Burt Ward from the 66 show, he's probably playing either Robin or Nightwing. I mean, it's your guess. And we have Kevin Conroy in there. He's going to be probably playing the Batman Beyond version of his Bruce Wayne character. Hmm. That's, and the most popular one that's in that everyone's treated in for is we got... Um, this, this show Smallville coming in. So we got Tom Welling as Clark Kent and Erica Durant as Lois Lane, which people have argued as their favorite Lois. Now they did try to get um, Rosenbaum in as Lex Luthor, but he declined. So, hmm. And the one that we just learned about today is we got the Adam himself, um, Brandon Ralph is coming. Yes, sir. As the, Preach. Preach. As the 2000, his 2006 Superman, but he is not just playing his 2006 Superman. He's going to play an older version. The We got the uh, Alex Ross drawn Kingdom Come Superman from the book Kingdom Come. Mm-hmm. For the record, real quick on Brandon yeah. Ralph. Um, the consensus i never i haven't seen the movie i love brandon routh um the consensus is superman returns not particularly good but he was great as clark kent in that movie or at least pretty solid i will tell you though for sure brandon routh as cut jockey as he looks he's actually a huge nerd he's one of the few people who's who was on will wheaton's tabletop board gaming youtube show numerous times because he's such a fucking nerd with like felicia day and all of them. In fact, it's hilarious because Felicia Day insisted on being on all the episodes with him because it's clear she had a huge crush on him. Uh, but he is genuinely a giant nerd. Um, so, you know, but I, I'm a huge Brendan Routh a supporter. Um, it, it's smart to make Katie Lotz the lead, right? The cover lead of, of Legends. And I don't yeah. watch that show, but keeping yeah, him but on she, board was, was key. Yeah. Her and Ralph are really good. I mean, it's before, I mean, before we had Supergirl, I mean, she was the only she was the only show they had where they had a female in the lead so that was that was great except for Thea Queen a speedy which they wasted and this was the beginning of the end for me man was Arrow season 1 to 3 the epic of the entire Queen family and the Merlin family leading to the Al Ghuls with Thea and White Canary 
at the crux of it and they take white canary off the show and thea queen slowly right off because of her i'm sure dissatisfaction with where it's going and that's where the business dissatisfaction comes from because mid-season three i'm going oh my god white canary black canary speedy malcolm merlin raz al ghul nissa al ghul arrows better than ever he's killing people again we've got the lazarus pit and then all of a sudden horrible horrible new team arrow castings mixed with thea kind of being written slowly off the show and like can't blame katie lots for getting her own show on legends nevertheless losing katie lots and brandon routh from arrow really subtracted from that universe especially because brandon routh and, uh, and emily bett rickards had excellent excellent chemistry together in their time on screen so the, the characters we just mentioned are all sorts of dissatisfaction which for me revolve around arrow because that's the show i liked the most at its peak and i watched the most of go ahead and the recent one that came out this week is there was a show that went for one season called the birds of prey where it is, well, it's earth two continuity technically because that means animated or live Kyle, action, live action. Mm-hmm. Cause that means and Kyle in this one, at least gets married and they have a daughter named Helena Wayne, AKA Huntress. And in this one, they had, Barbara Gordon as her mentor where she was Oracle and they had times where she would also put on the, the Batgirl suit. You know, the, it was mostly in flashbacks they would have her in the Batgirl suit. And then they had a, I forget the actress's name, but they had one play a Black Canary who was a real, real young Black Canary. Canary so. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. A, as I pointed out last time, Huntress in the first season of Arrow was spectacular and they let her go after two episodes. The Bertinelli saga could have been an entire season on its own, at least with the Huntress. Great actress, great character, great costume design, a great, she was murderous. I mean, she's early Helena Bertinelli. The Bertinelli's in general was a great part of the Arrowverse. Boom. They, people got killed or written off the show. But dude, here's the problem. Here's the problem is if the new Huntress succeeds Right on television, it's going to confuse people even more when they try and reintroduce the world to Helena Bertinelli in the Birds of Prey movie in February. And if she sucks, then it's going to sour people on the character. Like, there's no way this is going to help the movie. It's if nothing else is just going to confuse people. It's already confusing me, and I pay attention to this stuff. Now, this show came out in the one I'm talking about to play the Huntress. This show came out in 2002. Oh, I know. I'm talking about Ashley Scott on the Crisis Arrowverse crossover. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and then supposedly the rumor is we may get Dina Meyer, who was in Starship Troopers, as Barbara Gordon in the crossover also. And the last bit of news is we're going to get the 90s flashback in the crossover. So, you know, so CW's digging deep into their past to bring back everyone they can for this giant superhero team up, except the problem is they already had a shot at this with Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, and Gal Gadot with Batman v Superman, which spectacularly failed at the box office and with reviewers and even with a lot of DC and non-DC fans. Uh, I, I I guess DC, it's like the characters are more important than any individual actor or actress. 
Whereas Marvel, like the actors have become the characters, like Chris Evans is Captain America, Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. It's hard to think of anyone else. Like even though the shield's being passed to Sam Wilson, it's not going to be Steve Rogers, you know? It's very specifically going to be Sam Wilson's version and maybe Bucky will be it at some point and blah, blah, blah. So it's more about individual actors and continuity. But dude, if anything has proven this, then the charisma of... Um, an Aquaman of Momoa and Amber Heard mixed with Gal Gadot and Chris Pine in Wonder Woman, which were both so successful, shows that like you do need great talent for these giant projects. And maybe they don't care because they figure, you know, the hardcore people will watch all the TV stuff and the movies and can keep it all separate. But if I'm an up and coming comic book fan, I would be fucking confused. Excuse my language. I would be fucking confused, especially about characters like Helena Bertinelli, who should be so central. And now we're going to have, what, four or five on-screen versions in 10 years or whenever the Birds of Prey thing was that you talked about. I mean, it's getting ridiculous. Yeah. And we have, so now we have, so we have two flashes in this crossover, three Supermen, and we're going to have a Bruce Wayne. possibly a robin or nightwing this interesting honestly this is not a diss at you or or, or fans out there the more i read about this the more i hear and the more i hear you describe it and you're doing a great great job Uh, you're doing a much better job than any of these online publications have done which are doing terrible jobs at parsing this situation and writing like op-ed pieces about what's going on but the more you talk about this the less interested i am because the, the more characters you introduce, especially of the same character with different actors, the less invested I'm going to be. I want Robert Pattinson to be my Batman for the next five to ten years. I've already got Gal Gadot. I've already got Jason Momoa, Amber Heard, right? I've wanted The Flash with Ezra Miller. I, who knows? I mean, hopefully that was going to happen. And that's, I was hoping we would have Babs Gordon for the next five to ten years. But Disney is doing what DC won't, which is casting people long term, like Elizabeth Olsen, like Tessa Thompson, and like Haley Steinfeld. Is you know is Valkyrie a major important character in the Marvel Comics universe? No. Anyone who told you differently is wrong. I've read Thor. I'm telling you, Valkyrie is interesting and appears occasionally in Thor, but she doesn't look, talk, or act like Tessa Thompson. And you know, 20 years from now, they won't be able to you know be inextricable between Valkyrie and Tessa Thompson. Just like Rob, like I can't even read my old Iron Man comics, dude, which I read as a kid because Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man for me. And that's what I want in, in this. So this is the opposite. This is like, here's 12 Superman. This is going to make you love Superman more. I'm like, no, it makes me feel less invested in it. I mean, I don't know. Well, you had, like I said, you had Supergirl Superman, uh, the King of the Comics Superman, possibly the Tom Rowland Superman, but then again, in the Smallville season finale, he refused to wear the, the logo. So it, it, you could flip a coin to see if he actually is going to wear it this time. And dude, the fact that from the beginning, even though they come together in the crossovers, but the fact that from the beginning, they had Supergirl on her own, in her own you know, universe or whatever, you know, her own Earth was such an amazing decision because most of basically almost all the Supergirl episodes that don't directly involve crossovers, they can just tell their story. Right. Um, and you know, and the crossovers are super fun and because she's super powerful and they're powerful and all sorts of crazy cosmic stuff is going on, they can make it make sense enough to tell what I think are great stories. I think all the crossovers for the most part have been very, very good in CW. I've watched them even since stopping to watch most of the shows. 
Um, but it also points to, to some of the weaknesses. Um, and, you know, again, I think it's been a, a big boon to Supergirl to be kind of in their own pocket uh, universe for the while. The problem is they film Supergirl like the other shows, so it ends up feeling kind of samey, even if she's in her own universe. I even had a problem that Superman's sort of in the background doing his thing, right, in the Supergirl universe. That always made sense to me. But now with the million Supermans, my head is spinning. Also because I don't know much about Superman. And he's one of the characters, I talked about this before with Manny G. He's a character I've never been able to wrap my head around because of how powerful he is, but also being an alien. It is, you know, Wonder Woman and Aquaman make sense because they're legendary gods, but they're from Earth, right? Um, and so Superman mm-hmm. as an alien, with his crazy power set in the different supermans has always been confusing and then of course we get man of steel and murderous superman and superman v batman and it just confuses the issue even more for someone like me so if if i need to explain it more this whole crossover is about because you have an intergalactical being called the monitor who was in the last crossover testing earths for the upcoming crisis which is his an evil version of him called the Anti-Monitor who wants to destroy the multiverse. And that is what sets up this crossover. And I've actually read about the Monitor and Anti-Monitor stuff, actually. In the wake of Wonder Woman, I briefly read some of the bigger cosmic stuff uh, in the last couple decades and so forth. So, um, I, I, look, dude... In principle, DC has better cosmic stuff than Marvel. It's just they haven't been making it happen on a big level. You know, I've had tons of problems with cosmic Marvel, whether it's Captain Marvel or some of the Guardian stuff or some of the Thor stuff. I prefer the ground level Marvel stuff. I would love more cosmic stuff in DC, but again, I guess, I, I don't know. I guess as someone who's out and out an actor's person and see stuff for the actors, and then, you know what I mean? So I'm more attached to the actors than the characters. So I get 12 characters, but I don't really love any of the actors. Does that make sense? It makes me hard to, to grasp onto something. Yeah. I mean, I love the actor that plays the monitor on the Arrowverse, but I get it. So it, it, it should be interesting what they're going to do with it, because... They're doing part of it of December this year, and then they're going to finish it in January of next year. So they're kind of trying to make it like Infinity War and Endgame. If that, that, that's that. And what I would do, honestly, I would take this opportunity with all these characters to do a House of M and kill almost all of them which would solve tons of problems. You could get rid of all the past characters in dramatic, memorable ways, keep the new characters like Batwoman and Flash, whoever, sticking around, moving forward. You know, you could even introduce, like, you know, the Birds of Prey character, but then they leave or whatever. I mean, I I just don't see the upside for casting what seems like a talented actress to play the Huntress for the second time in the Arrowverse, mere months before we get the on-screen, big-screen appearance in Margot Robbie's seeming dumpster fire of the Birds of Prey that's now looking like the Margot Robbie movie featuring occasionally the Birds of Prey from what we've seen so far. So, I mean, maybe this is actually CW cleaning up after Warner Brothers trash uh, on the big screen and being like, well, we don't really think Birds of Prey is going to have traction on the big screen, so we better get it going on the small screen, especially if we're introducing Babs and Batman characters and so forth. So, if I remember the comics correctly, 
in the comics, Supergirl dies and a Flash dies. So now we have two Flashes in this in this uh, crossover. So a Flash may die. Just saying. Yeah, well, and I, I, I've said from the beginning, Melissa Benoist is Supergirl. She's movie-ready in terms of performance, in terms of looks, in terms of charisma, in terms of talent, in terms of dedication to the role, in terms of people loving her, like really, really loving her as a lead character, not just little girls, like people like me. Um, you could easily make a $120 million Supergirl movie with Melissa Benoist that isn't Batman v Superman, but you could still be looking cool, you know what I mean, and doing lots of cool stuff. Um, I mean, if you could make Deadpool for $60 million with 120 for Supergirl, you could make an amazing Supergirl movie with Melissa Benoist. You wouldn't even have to recast the main characters. I mean, the main three or four characters around Supergirl are perfect for something like that. And Marvel specifically now moving characters like Haley Steinfeld and Elizabeth Olsen between movies and television. And DC specifically like, no, more, more. It's like Smith in the Matrix sequels. He just, he just needs more and more copies of himself. DC's like, no, more Helmet Bertinelli's, more Arrows, more Flashes, more Supermans. And I get that's what's happened in the comics to a certain degree, man. But do you see what I'm coming from, from the optics of the average TV viewer who's trying to understand what's going on? Yeah. And, and this this crossover is the last hurrah for Arrow, obviously, because in the last crossover he made a deal with the Monitor, and that's kind of what we're going to eventually see what happens to his ultimate fate in this uh, crossover. So, yeah, and I guess I'm being a little hypocritical because I've said even though I like Stephen Amell more than most, and even though I like the show for three or four seasons pretty well. I would love to see a rated R Green Arrow that's even a better actor and darker either on the big screen or on the streaming service, TVMA, Titan style. Um, but definitely on the big screen. I mean, he's obviously a cross between Bruce Wayne and Hawkeye, but who cares? The aesthetics are great. The story's different enough, you know, and to, to, to do a, like a Robert Pattinson casting semi-reboot of the Green Arrow on the big screen, I think people would love it. And especially because, you know, I've been championing Hawkeye for years. Everyone says, oh, he's just a stupid character with a bow and arrow. Now everybody loves him and is thrilled for the show, and they're actually casting the next leader of the Avengers in Haley Steinfeld through Hawkeye um, it, so sorry guys I called it but I'm happy it's, I'm happy it's happening bottom line is you can make a guy with a bow and arrow work in a superhero universe especially DC which is exceeds with ground level characters in my opinion like the Green Arrow and Batman yeah so All right. I, I guess yeah so we'll see because I after this I think Amel is basically done with Arrow and then he's gonna be doing like a wrestling show and stuff so yeah, I mean, he, he he's a legit, like, you know, like, Division Two MMA type of guy. I mean, you know, I've seen him do some crazy stuff. I mean, that dude's an amazing athlete. Um, I just happened to find his, his performance in the early seasons somewhat um, compelling, but I realized later it was because of all the people around him. But then they killed his mom, you know, and then the Merlin story kind of ended, and then they took Thea off the show, who was one of my faves, and I don't like Laurel Lance, and then White Canary left, and Brendan Routh left, and then Felicity started having... I mean, literally everything I liked about Arrow either got removed or severely reduced, and I was like, I'm done with this. And it's not Stephen Amell's fault, 
but yeah, I, this was the this was the lifetime uh, uh, role for Amel. I don't think he's going to get a role this big again. He's not a bad actor, but you know, he, he was perfectly cast for this role. Um, I mean, he's an amazing athlete. I mean, we'll see. I think he's in like they're doing some sort of like wrestling like show, I guess, on HBO or something. So we'll see. I mean, you know, he might blow up after this role, I guess, on that show. Maybe. All right. Um, I only have one more question for now because we can save the rest for a few yeah. days from now, which is, <laughs> is there any hope for Barbara Gordon ever in my lifetime uh, on the screen in a way that I will find satisfactory even a little bit? I mean, there could be. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll probably discuss that. Why not? Um, it's like the, one of their no, top no, no. five characters of the comic books. They, she sells tons oh, of comics. Hey. I don't understand what they're doing. I know. I'm just saying that she sells more we'll comics than Wonder Woman does we'll, these we'll, days. We'll talk about we'll talk about our hopes and dreams for Barbara Gordon on Monday. But you know, I think that we should have them. I mean, we might have her possibly on a on the DC streaming service. Maybe she might be in a episode of Titans and then spin her off to her, her own show, maybe. Or maybe she might be in a movie. I mean, you could do anything you want with the character. I mean, DC's not afraid to do, like, multiple characters. I mean, they should we be. just talked about free Superman in a crossover. I mean, they should not be afraid. There's no way. They, it's like afraid. Luke in Empire Strikes Back, where he's like, I'm not afraid, and you know, there's like, you will be. They should be afraid. They should be very afraid because the MCU and Star Wars coming to streaming services is a major, major problem for DC. It's a huge problem because I know that the DC. That they- hold on, the DC shows have been able to survive partially because Marvel on Netflix and on ABC has been so inconsistent. Within Humans and Ages of Shield, and some of the Netflix shows are good and some are less good. But now you're bringing, you know, Elizabeth Olsen, Jeremy Renner, you know, Hawkeye and the Winter Soldier to television. Maybe even Black Widow and Cap. I mean, that's a huge, ginormous problem for the way they're currently running things. You, you know, I mean, you, you have to admit it. Yeah, I mean, I I get it. I mean, Kevin Feige is he's he's not to be messed with. I mean, he's even producing a Star Wars movie now, so we can't mess with him. No, 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 no. He wants to direct a Star Wars movie, which is the ultimate sign of respect and deference because he is the ultimate executive producer of all executive producers running Marvel. He could do whatever he wants in Marvel. He's basically done whatever he wants and it's been working great for him, but he would be working under not only Kathleen Kennedy, but under the senior members of the story group like Dave Filoni and potentially even people like John Favreau in directing a movie. He'd have to humble himself and he would be happy to. There's stories, legends about how much Star Wars, expensive Star Wars stuff he has in his office is Kevin Feige. He's a huge fanboy. And so Star Wars fans who don't love a lot of all the Marvel stuff, I'm telling them to calm down because he would be directing a Star Wars movie for you know, for Lucasfilm, not running the show. That, that would never happen. And so I'm actually, I would be happy to see this. But dude, this is my final thought on this. What I'm saying is, for me, let's say Birds of Prey movie is a bomb or isn't great. Nevertheless, as you know, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Journey Smollett-Bell, 
I'm pretty good with those two castings. Ewan McGregor should be a great bad guy. So you could still salvage Huntress and Black Canary. We've got Robert Pattinson, who you and I agree is in a really excellent casting more than people realize in 2021. That's the time to launch Barbara Gordon. We got Jeffrey Wright. Is that confirmed, by the way, that Jeffrey Wright is going to be new uh, commish? Uh, we'll talk about it on Monday. Okay. Let's, just to tease it, if he's the new commish, you bring in Zendaya, another young female actress of color, to play Babs. We've already got the other birds of prey. People will be sick of Harley by then. Plus, Margot Robbie's already been nominated for Oscars. She's going to want to do more Oscar movies, not just Harley Quinn. Hopefully, she'll realize that and hand it over to some other people. My feeling, by the way, man, just to tie it up, I kind of dissed Margot early on, and I'm confused about the way she's promoting all of this, but I do think she's a brilliant mind and seemingly a, a really cool, interesting person. I think, again, this is DC and Warner Brothers' mess of half-baked ideas. Yeah, let's do a Birds of Prey movie. Sure, Cassandra Kane, like, throw a dart at the wall. Which Batgirl? Yeah, sure, why not? Yep, give it to Margot Robbie. She'll figure it out. And I think she's having to pick up, because let's be honest, you know, she's the memorable thing from Suicide Squad, as I talked about last time she's the reason suicide squad 2 is happening it's not the only one but harley's one of the main reasons and margot robbie is their biggest up-and-coming star that's not gal gadot but she's a much more versatile actress and someone who wants to be involved in in production so i think she's cleaning up for half-baked ideas so the fact that we don't have a flash movie but we've got a half-baked birds of prey movie i have no idea what's going on with warner brothers and uh i mean i've heard stories about the warner brothers studios i don't want to go into but it's not Disney or Marvel Cinematic Universe in terms of being run well. Let's just put it that way. Um, And so I don't blame the actors, actresses, or even some of the producers like Margot Robbie. I just see such a clear way forward in the Batverse, but I don't trust them to execute it. Yeah, so I know what Margot Robbie also is now making a Tank Girl movie. So we might... So we'll we'll see what it's going to happen with her if she's going to stay Harley or she's going to just do Tank Girl movies now. Who knows? I mean, we'll see. I, the problem is within a two-day period, I saw the horrible trailer for Birds of Prey and then the new title about the fantabulous rebirth of Harley Quinn. It, uh, she's envisioning this as a Harley trilogy. So on top of Suicide Squad, we're going to go Harley trilogy? Oh, God. It's just the wrong direction. Barbara Gordon, guys, come it, on, much better the, character. Now the title is called "The Birth of Prey" and the fantis uh huh, whatever. Yep, exactly, of one, exactly. Of one you just proved my point. point. It is. You just proved my point. And, and, and the title was one that Margot Robbie wanted because she likes long titles. I get it, but who's gonna remember that title? It's they're not gonna say it's who wants to see her. There's a play and the anticipation of one Harley, Harley Quinn. You're just going to say, can we see the Birds of Prey movie? That's all they're going to say. We were supposed Freeze. to have Batgirl and then Birds of Prey and then Gotham City Sirens. And then it was going to all come together with Harley. But they're going about it ass backwards the same way they did it with Batman v Superman. They did a team up before they introduced all the characters. If they had done Man of Steel 2, that was better. And they had done Wonder Woman, which was loved. And they had a Batman who actually cared. Sorry, Ben Affleck. Not sad to see you go. Welcome, Robert Pattinson, my dude. 
both the men and the li- women, uh, when the women are going to love you as Batman, they just waited a couple of years with Pattinson, Gal Gadot, and either Henry Cavill or a younger recast Superman, and then did Batman v Superman. That's $3 billion, dude. That's Avengers money right there. They did it all ass backwards, but they've had to get rid of the Snyder regime and then another regime on top of that. I don't know if Jeff Johns or whoever get- is running it. Yeah, you had to get it rid of him. Then you had to get rid of... Uh, well, they got rid of Josh because they needed a scapegoat. Yep. But, and Josh was and happy it, to be the scapegoat. You know why? Because he's Josh Whedon. He's already done two fucking Avengers movies, legendary series like Buffy and Firefly. And once he realized that they were not fast-tracking Barbara Gordon and might not even do Barbara Gordon, now that we know this, right, dude? Look, now right. it's starting to make a lot more sense. I've been saying Joss Whedon was fired. He acted like he was quitting. At the time, I said this was him pretending to be quitting. But now I think he saw what we're seeing now. Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn with Cassandra Kane as a 14-year-old who has to be rescued. And not Barbara Gordon. And Joss Whedon was like, you know what? I'm going to do rated R television on HBO. Good luck, Warner Brothers. Good luck, DC. And so my final thought, man, we got to wrap this up. We're doing another podcast in a few days is I love that DC is throwing shit against the wall and doing tons of stuff on television. I just did a whole podcast about Pennyworth, a show my dad loves on Epics. He loves Dark Knight. He just saw The Dark Knight Rises. He's all into Batman. He's all Batmaned up. He loves his stuff. He won't watch CW for two seconds, but doesn't matter. They have other offerings that he really get into. He might even like Doom Patrol. We'll see what happens. Once this gets on HBO, which is like, you know, in in his wheelhouse, maybe he'll start watching it and some of these other shows. I'm happy they're throwing shit against the wall on TV, but they have to get their act together on the big screen unfortunately dude even alistair who's as big of a dc guy as you and he liked aquaman he really likes shazam he thinks dc on film is going down the toilet um in his opinion even more than me because of bad decision making yeah well i'm hoping they turn themselves around i mean they had a ceo who had who who knew zero who knew nothing about you know the the you know the 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 dc stuff and you only want to make Justice League to make a paycheck, but now he's gone. They have someone else in charge. So I'm hoping this this person can turn the ship around and maybe make it good again. I'm just really hoping my hands and knees that they turn it around. I mean, so. look, they got Wonder Woman too. They know it's going to do great because Wonder Woman one did great. They got Aquaman too, which they know is going to do great because Aquaman one did great. If they had settled on the Flash director. Ezra Miller totally won me over. I was expecting not to like him. I really liked him in Justice League. I don't understand why they can't get a fun Flash movie with Ezra Miller. Who cares? You know? So we got Wonder Woman. We got Aquaman. We got Robert Pattinson, who men and women like, especially women, but dudes like him too. They will really like him as Batman, as a younger detective, you know, smart Batman is going to be awesome. So that's a win with Matt Reeves. They got James Gunn, who directed Guardians of the fucking Galaxy, who wrote and directed Guardians of the fucking Galaxy, which changed Marvel and all of comic movies forever as much as the Avengers did Guardians of the Galaxy with James Gunn. I mean, they're nailing it, but dude, if you could just take out Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn and put in Batgirl, Barbara Gordon starring Haley Steinfeld or Summer Glau, do you see where I'm going with this? They're like one movie away from having an unbelievable run over the next three years, but this could derail it all if it's as horrible and in poor taste as it looks like it's going to be. And I feel really bad because, again, the aforementioned actresses in Ewan McGregor, I do love. Yeah, I'm, I'm just... I. The one thing I like to be proven sometimes is wrong. I want to be proven wrong 
and hope this film is good. I don't like to be proven right with this film, at least. Because if I'm proven right, it will be a train wreck. If I'm proven wrong, it will be actually good, and maybe it's just bad marketing. Well, it, look, okay, I have two things. One is a point about what you said, and one is a question to you, and we'll end the, this, and we'll continue the discussion in a few days. So the point I want to make is, you know, one of my big predictions was Gal Gadot coming out of BVS. She was in it 20 minutes. To me, she was by far the best, the most memorable, coolest part. And let's be honest, Henry Cavill's now The Witcher, not the Superman, for as long as we know. Ben Affleck's not Batman, and Gal Gadot's going to be Wonder Woman for literally as long as the world will have her be Wonder Woman, because people love fucking Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, whatever you think in the movie, you know? She's like Deadpool, Logan, or Captain America, right? She's like, you know, I mean, that, that kind of comic book royalty, people are going to want Wonder Woman movies as long as Patty Jenkins is directing them and Gal Gadot is in them. So, you know, sometimes the, the, the you know... And this will lead to my final question, which is, dude, we've never talked about BVS. I don't know how you feel about Batman v Superbad, so I'm going to let you end on anything you want. Before I let you end on anything you want, I want to know what you thought about Batman v Superman, Jason Jimbo Ritter. Well, I should, really should I lean back hard. and get a cigar for this one. <laughs> I might need, might need a drink for this one. Yeah. Um, Pour yourself a, a double whiskey. <laughs> I really want to like this film. I really do. I'm like, you know, like Kevin Smith. I try to watch this film hoping someday I will love it. I want to love it. It's it just the first I liked it. I'm like, okay, it's, it's good. The more I watch it, I'm like, wait, what? No, no, no. And then there's certain things Batman does isn't very batman to me it's not my batman and i'm like this is wait this isn't the batman i like this is the dark knight returns batman this is the crazy batman that says and puts his throat puts his foot on superman's throat and says i'm the one remember me i'm the man who beat at you and once batman superman remember that batman kicked his ass which is not my batman my batman would not want to superman to know that he kicks his ass and he's awesome. No, that's not, you know, he, he would not want to fight Superman. And this Batman is also a Batman that wants to fight Superman because he's an alien. He must be stopped. I need kryptonite to stop him. Which, that's, that's not my Batman. Yes, no. right. So you have an hour and a half of that, and then 20 minutes of them punching each other with the Martha thing, but then, you got Wonder Woman coming in. Is she with you? I thought she was with you. All of a sudden, the movie's like, oh, the last 25 minutes are amazing, but it's with Wonder Woman, right? And so, despite all of Zack Snyder's, in my opinion, fuck-ups with this thing, and it's not all his fault, by the way, There's including Christopher Dolan, many people at fault for the early stages of the DCEU, including the casting Ben Affleck and thinking that he would be able to stick with it, and mistreating Henry Cavill, who I actually like and am very excited to see in The Witcher, to prove everybody wrong is henry cavill i think but the point is man of steel wasn't exactly very well received bvs doubled down on the darkness 
But dude, the problem is you can criticize those movies because of their portrayal of Batman and Superman, as you pointed out. From Matty G, I get it from the Superman side, which is Superman murders so many people in Man of Steel and BVS. You know, that's not the classic Superman that he loved and knew. But for me, it was just a film thing, which was like, it was just so slow and good guys, you know, being bad, not good guys and being selfish and annoying and brooding with no emotion. And then you throw Gal Gadot in there and there's a shot of life. And lo and behold, Henry Campbell's gone, Ben Affleck's gone, and the movie of next summer, other than Black Widow, and it's interesting that Scarlett and Gal Gadot are going up against each other, uh, but you know, now the one who survived BVS is supposedly the side character who was the highlight of that movie, and that was Gal Gadot, and so, if nothing else, Zack Snyder somehow seeing Wonder Woman and Gal Gadot, who had done almost nothing other than model in Fast and Furious, both of which he did great, but nevertheless, Zack Snyder being able to see that was an amazing gift to the world, even though everything else didn't work out um and uh, and so forth so uh, what you described was sort of how i thought you would you would feel about it um but uh yeah man was it dark and brooding oh boy yeah yes i i never thought they would make a movie darker than the dark knight rises i i could have i after i came out of that movie here i should just time travel to myself and just said <laughs> Wait till you hear about the the next Batman movie. That's going to be interesting. And you know what? That is why Matt Reeves, my final thought, is going to work out great with Batman. Because, you know, if there's any aesthetic problem with the, the Apes movies... It's that, again, extremely dark, but that's a post-apocalyptic scenario that's so bizarre and so extreme, and there's still a great heart to the movie, especially as a viewer, once you accept that the humans are mostly the bad guys, or at least off the path of goodness, you know, um, and, and so forth, and why the, you know, the confused morality, and, and, and or I should say complex morality of humanity in the Apes movie, Planet of the Apes movies, it was going to work great with Batman, you know, but they have to have a little bit of fun. Like a superhero movie can be so dark, but like if you if the superhero isn't having fun being a superhero, I mean, even Christian Bale at various points, you know, enjoys for at least three seconds being Batman at times, or even being Bruce Wayne pretending not to be Batman, right? And so if we get Robert Pattinson from Twilight where he's not smiling ever, that would be a big miss. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're going to get the best parts of brooding Robert Pattinson, but with more life and dimensionality. And we're going to get the best part of these sort of dark, complicated themes of the Planet of the Apes movie with Matt Reeves, but with younger Batman being slightly more playful. And who would be more perfect in making Batman more playful? Well, two people... Selena Kyle and Barbara Gordon. I'm sorry. They've got to be Catwoman and Batgirl, the real ones, in, if not the first Batman movie, in the first couple Batman movies. Because Anne Hathaway and Michelle Pfeiffer light up the movies that they are in as Catwoman, and we know the Babs relationship with Batman is great, especially with the various Nightwings and Robins. I think Babs is way more important than various Nightwings and Robins, only because the fact that you can substitute Nightwings and Robins just proves how, you know, independently important and a superstar Babs is, who sells more comics than anyone other than Batman at this point, dude. Let's be honest. Yeah, that's, that that's what I don't true. understand. I mean, you as a comics person must realize how many comics Barbara Gordon sells, which makes even less sense they're not doing Barbara Gordon. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll talk about... Uh, there's some Barbara Gordon stuff that may come up on Monday. I'll, okay. I'll talk about it then. 
All right, Matt. Well, this was great. Uh, a lot of Spider-Man and a lot of DC, which is what we thought. Um, anything you want else to want to tease for Monday, and then we'll uh, we'll sign off. Um, just that, Tom. This might not be the last time I am probably talking about Tom King. Let's just put it that way. He, he mm. might be he might be talk, teaming up with a famous director that may have done something on netflix recently that's all i'm gonna tease okay okay very mysterious i'll take it i'll take it so all right man well um this was great uh thank you for jumping on with me i look forward to the the deeper dive part of the reason i wanted to do this was because of the news drop but part of it was because i wanted to just do deep dive on monday and get the news out and while we did go a little bit beyond news on this one there has been a ton in the last few days and in, in couple weeks, which we even even had time to cover on our last couple podcasts. I think we need to get out there. So that that was great, and I thank you for that. Uh, no problem, Bizzle. I'm I'm always happy to come on your podcast. Jason Ritter, people. Jason Ritter. This is the reason I do the Bizzlecast. You're the man. Thank you, Bizzlecast listeners. You guys have been awesome. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I can just post Kylo and Ray or Barbara Gordon, Haley Steinfeld stuff all day. You guys are loving it. I'm glad you guys are loving it. Jason, though, you've been there for a while. It's awesome to have you on the podcast, buddy. I really appreciate it. And I can't wait for our next one. And I'm loving Long Halloween, by the way. Even though I don't get Barbara Gordon's married to Jim Gordon. Uh. They're acting like husband and wife. I'm not clear what's going on. Well, that's a different one. Okay, we, we'll save it. In, I'm in co- yeah, yeah I'll, I'll talk. I'll explain to you the yes. continuity about Long Halloween yes. um, on, on Monday. Cause yes. Well, anyway, it just confirms what I thought I knew, which is that since the 80s or 90s, whatever comic I'm reading, I generally like DC, especially the solo stuff, way more than the solo Marvel stuff. Art-wise, storytelling, especially in the Batverse with Batman, Nightwing, Batgirl. I love this shit, honestly. Like, even the, like, mediocre Batgirl is better than most of what Marvel puts out with their solo characters, in my opinion, outside of the X-Men House of M thing, but that's a whole other podcast. Uh Okay, so all right, buddy. We'll, all right, we'll we'll see you guys. We'll see you guys on the next podcast. You heard it here. See you guys next podcast. May the force be with you. For now, the Bizzlecast is out. <laughs>